Welcome to the KPB Podcast. This is your host, Ethan Gavon, coming to you from Sacramento, California. Keep Playing Baseball is a registered 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to helping every high school baseball player navigate the recruiting process and play college baseball. At KPB, we don't think money should dictate who has the opportunity to play college baseball or who gets to make informed decisions throughout the college baseball recruiting process. And all our resources, including this podcast, are 100% free. No signups, no fees, no strings attached. We use the KPB podcast in many different ways, but the main point is to get you the information you need to keep playing baseball. We appreciate you tuning in to the KPB podcast, the best source of recruiting information on the go. We are here with Indiana Wesleyan University baseball coach and king of recruiting process Twitter threads, Ian McDonald. Coach McDonald's career includes coaching stops at Grove City College, University of Charleston, and Indiana Wesleyan University, where he currently serves as the associate head coach. Wherever he's been, success has followed his teams. If you follow his work educating others on the recruiting process on Twitter or through his website, collegebaseballrecruiting.net, that should come as no surprise. Accurate, thorough, thoughtful, and well-organized, his content is a must-follow for any serious college recruit or parent. Coach McDonald's commitment to transparency and equity in the recruiting process is something we've admired for a long time, so it's finally great to have him on the KPB podcast and pick his brain about recruiting. Coach McDonald, thanks for joining us on the KPB podcast. Ethan, thanks for having me on. I am, uh, I'm really looking forward to spending a little bit of time with you here tonight. So we're just going to jump right into the deep end. Um, you've got a lot of content out there, um, something that we've been kind of following and, and um, sharing for years. So I just want to dive right into your process. You know, coaches talk a lot about process. They talk about how a quality process leads to better results. Um, from a recruiting perspective, you know, I think players can benefit immensely just from thinking about it from a college coach's perspective, kind of working backwards or reverse engineering the recruiting process based on what college coaches are doing. So to that end, I'm, I'm hoping you can give us kind of an overview of the evaluation process for, let's just say an Indiana Wesleyan recruit the first time they from the, the first time they contact you to when they land on campus as a freshman or a, a first year player for you. What does that process look like? No, absolutely. Um, I think the, the first thing to realize is it's going to look a little bit different coaching staff to coaching staff. Um, so for me, I, you know, I think I'll answer this question speaking specifically on um, how we do things here at IWU. Um, and then also something to keep in mind is every recruiting process is a little bit different. And the main difference a lot of times is when the recruiting process starts. Um, so, you know, some levels, maybe the division one level, they're going to start way earlier. It might look way different than what our process looks like at NAIA. Um, but generally this is a flow. So the first piece uh, of our process for identification, evaluation, recruiting is, um, the identification piece. And I, I think it starts really with the relationships that we have with coaches, um, and instructors, um, 
even umpires, uh, people that are around the kids that that will recruit. And um, I think that's where it starts. Uh, how we're also identifying players is through social media. Uh, Twitter is an incredible tool um, that we use uh, to identify players. And then I think the third and final piece would be email. Um, so inbound leads on kids that are emailing us, expressing interest in the university and expressing interest in the program. So after we identify a kid, uh, the first step, Ethan, is the, the, the initial evaluation process. So um, we'll try to track down three things, uh, which are typically video uh, measurables and statistics, and that'll give us a pretty good idea of, of who that player is. Um, and, and then after that, you know, we kind of call it our information collection stage. So after we identify a kid, um, we evaluate the, the baseball skill set saying, hey, this is a guy that could play for us. And we're digging into who is he athletically, um, who is he personally, um, you know, what kind of student is he? And then does this have the prospects of being a financial fit um, for the institution? So um, that would be the information collection stage. And then once we have all those those pieces, um, you know, we got to prioritize, right? Who's going to go from on our radar to a player that we're actively recruiting, um, right? You know, and then ultimately who we go and watch in person, um, you know, at that stage, it's for us in a recruiting class where we're bringing eight to 10 kids and we're fortunate to have incredible retention where um, it, you know, it stays pretty consistent eight to 10 every year. When we're going to watch kids, um, you know, they're, they're, we're watching kids that we've already checked off the athletic, personal, academic and, and financial fit boxes. Um, and we're zeroing in our time and attention uh, on those players that we're going to watch in person. And then, you know, from there, um, a portion of the kids that we watch in portion in, in person, um, invite them on campus visits. And then uh, we, we have a, pr a pretty high success rate on kids that we get to campus, the kids that we ultimately offer and sign. So um, again, that process is going to be a little bit different program to program, but hopefully that's a little bit insight into to how we do things here at Indiana Wesleyan. Yeah, that, no, that's great. I want to kind of circle back to some of the stuff that you mentioned. So you you brought up the personal relationships point and then Twitter and email as kind of the the ways that your program most identifies. I know there's different ways, but kind of the the bread and butter. Um, what are you looking for Twitter? Is it um is it a flat ground video? Is it um program you're familiar with? How, you know, how does a kid stand out in this kind of sea of recruiting videos and and whatnot on Twitter? No, that is, that is a really good question. Um, I think one of the coolest things about Twitter and then even just social media in general is it's really increased kids' opportunities and chances for exposure, right? Um, yep. It's free. It's open 24-7. Um, a kid can post it. A coach can post it. An instructor can post it. A news article source can post it. Like, there's so many different ways that a kid can get um, their name out there. So, um, you know, how we're identifying kids on social media, you know, even just thinking back to this past year, um, you know, two of the kids that we signed were first evaluated on Twitter by videos that they posted of themselves um, on Twitter. And a lot of times it'll get retweeted by a coach or a program, like a high school program or a travel organization. And, um, you, you know, rarely, Ethan, are we actually following the kid that we're recruiting? And it's it's nothing personal against them. It's just that who we follow is public and can be seen by every other school in our conference yeah. at our level. 
right? So, um, you know, oftentimes, though, we do follow the coaches, we follow the organization. So, um, you know, especially if we engage with their content, you know, their stuff shows up in our newsfeed. So, um, you know, it's an, it's something I advocate for um, coaches and organizations that, that they play an active role in helping their players get exposure. Um, and, and one of the easiest ways to do that is just say, hey, when you tweet something, text it to me and I'll retweet it from the team or the program account. Um, and it, it, it works. It works in our program. It works in other programs with, with coaches that I know and have great relationship with. Um, so I think, you know, that that's kind of how, how we've identified people on social media is not only them tweeting their own stuff, uh, but then also, mm-hmm. you know, another one was prep baseball report tweeted something actually twice. It happened where they tweeted something we said, okay, well, you know, we saw three swings and said, hey, this is a guy we got to learn more about, you know, and obviously like most college programs, we subscribe to Prep Baseball Report and we're able to go in and watch BP sessions, get verified measurables, like all that stuff kind of goes into, um, you know, identifying and, and getting that initial evaluation on a player. Yeah. And then an email very much the same way. It's just video. Uh, do you ask, do you want, uh, transcripts in the email do you want do you want them to make it as easy as possible for that information collection period is that is that what you're looking for when a kid reaches out to you that says hey i specifically am interested in this in in your program that's a really good question um you know i, I think with with email ethan it's it's can i keep it as simple as possible and, and direct to the point as possible while also still making it personalized to the coach or to the program in which I'm emailing. Um, So the best thing I can do is right at the start of your email saying, I'm interested in Indiana Wesleyan for these three reasons, right? And maybe that kid says, I want to go to, um, you know, a a Christian school would be number one. Maybe number two is I want to go to a school within three hours of home and I want to play in a championship winning and contending program. And if like, Okay, great. Well, hey, you know, he's from Indiana, you know, he's a Christian kid, he wants to play in the championship winning program like that, that that's a long, that's a great first start, right? And then maybe right below it is, here are my updated measurables as of insert date here, and just basic measurables for his position. Um, Here are my stat line from this past summer, again, basic measurables. And then here's a contact info from a high school coach. Here's my contact info from my travel coach. and just say, looking forward to hearing from you. And, and like, as simple as that would be, and I'm sorry, one more thing in there, put a video link. Um, yeah. And then I think a lot of times we're just saying, hey, the boxes of, okay, it's personalized. Okay, hey, it's got the makings of an athletic fit based on measurables, based on statistics. And then I go straight to video, um, you know, and and also I'd, um, I'd be remiss if I didn't say I'd tie in academic information there as well. Uh, maybe it's one of the reasons why you're interested in saying, I want to study pre-med or I want to study engineering or whatever it may be. Make sure you include your GPA as well. So a um, little bit scattered there, but uh, I think those will all be good things, including your initial email. No, oh, right, right on top of it. So measurables is a word that you came back, you know, I've heard four or five times, a lot of measurables out there now. Um, what are you, what specifically are, let's say, let's start with a pitcher. What measurables are most important velocity and what else? Yeah. You, you know, I think um, measurables in of itself, I think this is always a challenge as a recruiter, right? It's, it's balancing the tools and the skills, right? So typically the measurables are reflective in the tools um, 
but it only tells part of the story, right? So like if, if I'm evaluating a pitcher, no, absolutely. You need to know the velocity ranges. You need to know the peak velocity. But even then, I think there's some question marks. Is this in a training setting? Is this in a game setting? Was this a ball to the backstop? Was this a strike, right? Um, was this one day or is this who this guy is going to be throughout the course of the season? So I think we're always asking questions. I think um, you know if I'm recruiting a pitcher, and that's my realm of responsibility here, um, you know, above and beyond that, if we can get any kind of track man or episode information, that definitely helps. Even then, um, you know, I think it's, again, it's a starting point for evaluating a kid. You know, there's going to be a lot more kids that fit the criteria of I have the metrics or I have the numbers to play the Neil Wesleyan, you know, but that, that that's why at least us, we are so, um, we believe so, so much in the in-person evaluation component of this entire process to make sure above and beyond having the metrics and measurables to play in our program this kid's a right athletic fit for our program as 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 a player um throughout the course of a 50 game season so um so just, that's how just I'd out of fairness that. if, if yeah. we're talking about hitters what measurables are you looking for for them maybe two or three that you look for yeah i think um you know, honestly, specifically with, with from a position player side, I think it's going to very slightly depend on what we're recruiting. Um, you know, so there's going to be some positions where arm strength more at, is at a premium. Um, I, I will say this, and and this might be controversial to some listening, maybe college coaches, but um, you know, exit velocity it's great. You know, I think you can give you a snapshot of what that guy could be from a power potential standpoint. Um, but especially for hitters, you know, we're not signing guys based off of a measurable that we'd see. You might get them on our radar. Um, but when we're going and watching games, you know, we're looking at swing decisions. Um, we're looking at hard hit ball consistency. We're looking at, okay, they have power. Okay, now to what parts of the field, right? Like those are things that measurables might not necessarily tell you. But as far as what's most important that correlates with success in game, um, those would all be um, things that that we need to answer throughout the the evaluation process. Does it play at your level, right? It's like no doubt. You know, no how, doubt. how is it? How are these measurables being generated, and does it play? So, looking for baseball players, one hundred percent. Okay, so you ID someone, they pass this initial. Hey, this is interesting. Let's find out more. You start collecting. You talked about the information collection. Who are they as an athlete, uh, person, student? So are you are you picking up the phone and making calls to to coaches, counselor? You know what what does that look like? How does if they pass that initial okay looks interesting? How do they pass that information, or how do they fall? You know how do you filter kids out of that information collection process? Um, you know as you're putting your board together. Absolutely. That's a great question, Ethan. Um, so I, I think, like I said before, it starts with the athletic evaluation piece. At least that initial component, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and I don't want that to, to um, kind of like as important as them as a player is them as a person. Right. So right. Um, I don't think it's one or the other. I think it's both and both um, athletically fit and able to play in our program and, you know, the kind of person that we want to um, have a part of our program. I think kind of the flow of, okay, when we collect information, it's it's the athletic side. 
Then it's typically the academic side, mainly looking at um, GPA, SAT or ACT, um, and, and then the desired major or desired top three or five majors if, if they're undecided, right? Like, is this, is Indiana Wesleyan going to have what they even want to study is an important question we need to, to answer. Um, and then from a personal standpoint, you know, you know, we're evaluating players' makeup, and that's not something that's microwaved. It takes time to, to really right. get to know that player. Um, you know, but for us, there's, there's six characteristics, there's traits, um, there's behaviors that um, we're looking to identify in the players that we're recruiting um, that would be reflective of, hey, this is a person fit for our program. And typically gauging the financial um, affordability of the experience that typically comes later on, but it's still something that um, honestly, we, we try to get to a point of clarity on relatively early in the process. And it's just out of respect for the kid, for their family, for, and then for us, and knowing that, you know, time is limited and we got to work quickly to figure out wh what is our board going to be, um, you know, work toward figuring out what kind of scholarships would this young man be eligible for um, any outside assistance that, that um, you know, we could, um, you know, turn him on to as far as like that he might be eligible for any outside help. So um, that's typically the flow from athletics to academics, beginning work to, to, to learn more about that player as a person and then gauging the financial affordability um, of what Indiana Wesleyan could be. Yeah, it makes sense, right? It's, it's the ease. It's easiest to evaluate the player first. Then academics, you, you either have them or you don't. And then it takes a long time to figure out if they're the right fit as a person or it takes longer, a longer time. Uh, so you talked about your board, right? How many, you, you said you guys typically are pretty consistent with eight to 10 players a year. What does your board look like? You know, what are you, what is this pool that you're paying extra attention to look like um, at, at any given time? Absolutely. Um, so typically the board is, is 70 to 90 players um, any given year. Um, and then as far as the players that we're targeting our focus on, um, once we get in the spring, once we get in the summer, typically between 30, 35 players um, who we bring on campus for visits, typically around 20 to 25 players. Um, and then typically that'll be enough for us to get eight to 10 um, players that are the right fit for our program. So um, that, that's kind of the flow uh, of what that would would be um, from the initial um, identification, evaluation, maybe guys that we're following to the guys that we're actively recruiting to ultimately the kids that we offer and, and end up signing. Do you find that there's certain positions on your board that have a bigger pool of candidates that, that you kind of dwindle down to, to find your guys? Or is it pretty evenly split amongst the positions you're after? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, I'll say this from a position player side, a majority of the kids we bring in, and we carry 36 to 38, typically about split pitchers and position players. But most of the position players that we're bringing in um, are playing kind of middle of the field positions, whether catcher, middle infield, center field, caliber athletes, right? So um, I think for us, you know, maybe what is the one position where there's there's more of a supply um, than anything. Obviously, there's a lot of outfielders. Um, you know, the hard piece is maybe you have an infielder or a catcher that 
that guy will play or move to the outfield at some point in his career. And there's only three of them on the field at any given time. So um, yeah, I'd say that is where there, there, there is a supply corner infield, which is typically a greater supply, but then, you know, catching true middle infielders, um, you know, high quality pitching. I think those are always things that'll be de- positions that'll be desired. Yeah. Well, that's great. Gives, gives a very high level overview of what this process looks like. And it should be information that players can listen to and say, okay, you know, how do I, how do I become, how do I get in touch with schools? How do I make it onto the board? What, what are the things that I need to do? So Awesome and, info. And, and um, if, I could, if I could chime in there, um, Ethan, I think like this is where it's important of you know, maybe if you have an initial contact with a coach, um, and that doesn't mean that that coach, that program, you know, they're going to be in a position to actively recruit you, right? So it's like, you know, a guy could get on the board and he might be on there with 70, 80 other guys, you know, so that's where it's important that guy that, that, that players are proactive once communication starts to stay at the front and center of the coaches that are actively recruiting them, um, I think it's extremely important as well. So what does being proactive mean to you? Like a player who's proactive, they make, they're on your board, they're in the top 90. What does being proactive look like? It's a really good question. Um, you know, so even once we're starting to actively recruit a player, um, you know, what we're asking them to do throughout the spring, throughout the summer and say, Hey, um, like, let, like, let's connect at, at least once a week. And, and again, these are the players that we're actively recruiting. Um, but you know, we want game film from from that player, even stat lines, especially if they pitch and you know, shoot us kind of how things went. You know, did the team win. How do they pitch? How do they perform? Um, you know, I think like even if you're not talking with a coach every single week, checking in with them every two to three weeks and, and just, hey, get a tripod, uh, set it up when you're hitting in the cage, throwing a bullpen. Just say, hey, coach, just want to send you footage of my most recent pen. I was sitting between these speeds with these pitches. Um, hope you have a great week. Good luck this weekend at Faulkner, wherever the, that team's playing, whatever it may be, yeah. right? I think, um, you know, especially once you get a, a coach's cell phone number, and that's going to be the preferred method of communication for a lot of coaches. Um, you know, I don't think there's there's any shame in self-promotion, if you will, from the standpoint of you're checking in two to three weeks with, with film, uh, with statistics, whatever it may be, um, you know, you know, I err on the side of too much communication rather than not enough communication. If if I'm a player, and always be respectful. If you know, if a coach says, "Hey, you know, I really appreciate you sending this, just so you know, we're, you know, we've we filled the position. It's not quite the right fit." Then obviously pivot accordingly. But until you get to that point, um, I'd err on the side of over communicating and sending them too much than not sending them enough, especially if it's a school that you're really interested in that you have connected with that coach um, individually. Awesome. Super important. Relentless communication. Um, no doubt. Being proactive. Okay, so Keep Playing Baseball has been following you on Twitter for a long time and kind of you used to have this website set up where you kind of talk through these recruiting philosophies and, and these processes, which is incredible. Um, I'm wondering... You know, how has your evaluation process changed as a coach over time? Is it, you know, like, what have you done? What are you doing differently now than, you know, a couple of years ago? Yeah, um, no doubt. I think more than anything, Ethan, it's it's just been a, 
continual process of, of learning and fine tuning. Um, and, and I think, you know, it's been a product of the people that I've worked for, I've worked with. Um, and I, I think it's culminated in, in creating a project that, um, you know, I used to publicly share was our system for identification, evaluation, recruiting. Um, and it's a project that that I started working on while I was at the University of Charleston. And, um, you know, I spent about two and a half years working for two different head coaches that have both been incredible mentors of mine um, and alongside a really talented staff of assistant coaches. And um, it was just a two and a half year project, you know, serving as a recruiting coordinator there. Um, can I create a system um, that would document uh, the things that we value? You know, what are we looking for and, and, and what, what do we do? Like a systematic approach to identification, evaluation, recruiting. And, um, you know, since I've gotten to IWU, you know, we've tailored it uh, to, to meet what we need and we've added to it. Um, and now even just working with our current staff with with Coach Benjamin and then, um, you know, Coach Friend and Coach George, our assistant coaches, it's it's been really neat just because it's, you know, we've taken a big piece of what we did at Charleston, brought it here. But then there's there's other things where I didn't even realize or I didn't know. And then, you know, you start working with a brand new set of coaches that maybe we do things a little bit differently. And it's, um, you know, I think it's, it's, it's a project that's constantly evolving. We hope improving. And, uh, you know, I think from a, a process development standpoint, um, you know, certainly it's it, it's a process of learning and fine tuning. Very, very cool. Um, so have you had any major, let's, let's call it paradigm shifts or any experiences with players? You know, you're gradually learning and fine tuning this process of finding and evaluating players, but have you had any moments that just caused you to stop, stop what you're doing and completely change directions? You know, I can't put my finger on one specific instance or story, um, you know, in particular. Um, you know, I do think like as you go on, you know, just who I am as a recruiter five, six years into this thing compared to when I started, there's so much I didn't know. Um, and now, you know, I think I have a better idea of what I'm doing, but you know, there's constantly things that that I am learning just through experiences. And I think even just you know, evaluating players, um, you know, I, I I like to think I'm getting better and better at every year just because you recruit a player and maybe a, you, you miss out on a guy or maybe you get a guy and you know, just watching him develop, being a part of his development or just watching from him from afar and saying, what, what did I get right? What did I get wrong? Um, you know, I think more than anything, just reflecting on on our work. Um, and our experience makes and sharing our experiences internally. Um, I, I like to think that that that's just that's making us better, um, you know, and and uh, the staff here, I, I can learn so much from them, um, you know, so even just asking the right questions and then, um, you know, seeking out the right answers is probably how you know it's shifted and evolved um, more than anything else. Awesome. Let's talk about recruiting more general. And specifically the, you know, the landscape out there right now, like what, in your, from your view, what is the state of recruiting and the opportunity for high school players look like right now? Um, yeah. How is it? How, how is it for them out there? Is it tough? Or is it? No, that's, that's such a good question. Um, 
I feel like this could be a topic of a podcast in of itself, the, the yeah, current no state of college recruiting. But I listen, I, I think there's there's more opportunity for exposure than ever before. Um, and you know, you could attribute it to email, you could attribute it to social media, more showcases, tournaments. So I think especially from an exposure standpoint, there's never been a better time to be a high school player with aspirations to play at the next level. Um, I think where it shifted slightly is there's um, also more competition for that exposure than ever before with all these resources, all these events um, and social media email as well. So I am still a believer that you know, the process rewards the player that takes initiative, um, that takes ownership of the recruiting process. Um, but I think that's been, you know, one of the bigger shifts specifically from, um, you know, the state of recruiting or the recruiting landscape is uh, the, the the ease of exposure and the fact that um, there's more opportunity for exposure than ever before. Does that kind of the ease help almost help weed? You know, you can think about it two ways right? There's this, it's easy to get lost out there, right? There's so much, but in a way, does it help you as a coach when it's so easy for players now and they, you know, send a sloppy email or they retweet uh, something controversial or, you know, it's, does that cut both ways or? I, I'd almost say, Ethan, in a way, I think it's almost harder just because you're getting so many messages and emails where it's the ease of copying and pasting and tweaking mm-hmm. where it's it's gauging early as early as possible. How interested is this kid in Indiana Wesleyan? Right. So, um, you know, I, I think in a way it's made it easier, especially the the access to information is greater than ever before. The ease um ease to that access like it wasn't too long ago I, you know i'm talking coaching buddies that have been in this thing way longer than i have and they're talking about getting dvds in the mail and things like mm-hmm. and now it's a youtube link that you can click and watch right away and you can watch from anywhere um so i think it's made it easier in a regard but then also has made it more challenging um i think would probably be the best way to answer that question gotcha so in the last couple of years i'm looking at some of my notes you know have you seen major changes because of, you know, COVID transfer portal um, money flowing to play NIL stuff, you know, have you seen major changes because of that? Or is it just more gradual with change with the times? Yeah. Um, again, this is just speaking to six years of experience, right? So there's going to be coaches with way more perspective on, on this than I would have. Um, however, I, I have seen, a shift, especially with um, COVID and, and specifically how that impacted eligibility and extra eligibility for that regard. Um, you know, I think if you just look across the board, all levels, and I'm not talking just division one, even division two, NAIA, and, um, you know, players are older than ever before. Um, and I think if you look across the board, there's more guys taking fifth years. Um, and that's had a trickle down an effect even junior college baseball is um you know juco baseball is better than it's ever been um so it's like a combination of hey there's older players on rosters especially guys taking fifth years and juco baseball is better than being better than it i think arguably uh depending on who you talk to it's ever been um you know there, there are programs that are shifting recruiting strategies and i think even more so especially at the division one power five level than maybe 
division threes or um, division twos, but um, you know, absolutely. I, th- I think if a, if a program can go out and get a proven performer uh, who's played three years of college baseball that still have two years to go to grad school and play versus an 18 year old high school kid um, that's going to have to have that, uh, you know, the, the growing pains of, of playing division one baseball. I think it, it makes sense. And I, I think there's, there's, there's pressure um, on coaches to perform, especially at the highest levels where, they got to win and they got to win right away. Um, you know, so it's, it's an intriguing um, and from a decision-making standpoint, if I can recruit an older player who's played more baseball, who has a demonstrated record of success and he can perform right now versus a high school player that might perform as a sophomore or a junior, you know, I think it's just balancing, um, you know, how do you want to, to build a roster? Um, and I'm not saying, you know, there's, there's successful programs at the highest level that are high school driven, but, there's more and more um, that are um, those rosters are being created by um, by transfers, four years transfers, and then also two year transfers as well. So does that make it, you know, for you as someone who is more proactive than most coaches about outreach and and recruiting support, does that make it hard for you to, I guess, balance? Let's call it optimism in a player's you know a realistic perspective of players chances of moving to a college program and and like honesty or you know because the path has gotten harder and there's this trickle down effect of older players like you know start like you said starts division one and then kind of slow you know maybe impacts other levels less but is still there does it make it hard for you to you know, I think about this a lot from keep playing baseball. Like, sure. When we started, it was like, Hey, if you want to play college baseball, there's a program out there for you. And now it's like, well, is that really true? Yeah. Yeah. Um, man, that's a really good question. And, uh, I I do think it's a challenging balance. You know, like I want the information that I share to be honest. I want it to be transparent. Um, Mm -hmm. I want it to be either, based in objective information or predicated based on experience and opinion. Right. But, um, you know, I, 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 I want to share that information and I want players and families, um, to be better informed. Um, and I think one of the, the, the reasons why I'm passionate, I know we'll talk about this later on, but the reason why I'm passionate about sharing information is I think it takes a collective effort to educate those players and educate those families. And I think I have a perspective as a current coach that's that's uh, living this uh, every single day. I think it's perspective that can help players and perspective that can help families. Um, but I, 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 in in addition to sharing, hey, what's what's reality? Like this is the challenge in which you're going to face with, with the desire to play at the next level. Um, I hope it serves as an inspiration as well to players and parents that they apply the information and resources that are shared. Um, so I think that the, the goal, the purpose, my hope um, is to, to first educate, but then also inspire um, through what I, I post and the things that I share. Yeah. I think you're, I think you're doing it from my perspective, you're doing it. And to have the perspective of someone who, you know, like I say, like you're going through the recruiting process, not 
let's let's say just looking at your board, you're doing it 90 times a year. We know it's a lot more than that, right? You're coming through a lot more players than 90, but you know, you experience this cycle over and over and over with different players, different backgrounds, different everything. And there's that's just such an invaluable resource and perspective. So um let's let's shift a little bit because I'm taking way too much of your time. Um <laughs> let's shift from talking about recruiting more generally to some of your personal opinions and, and preferences. Um, what is one aspect of the recruiting process that you don't think gets the attention it deserves from coaches who are actually doing the recruiting? I don't want you to give give away any insider secrets, right? Oh, like you're, no. Yeah. No, this is, this is, uh, man, you got such great questions, Ethan. Um, I think uh, as far as, you know, maybe specifically what coaches don't get give enough attention to, you know, from, from our standpoint and coaches doing recruiting, I think, um, you know, I, I think first every coach, every program recruits differently. So I'm not one to judge. I'm not one to say that we do it better than anybody else, but I, I do think, um, you know, what, what is important is to, to, to do the best they can to evaluate um, the tools of a player, but then also the skills of a player. Um, and it's, it's what's the appropriate balance of the two um, I think is it's something that deserves attention. Then also balancing who is a player today uh, with, with what do we think he could develop into tomorrow? Um, like what are the resources that he needs? Um, can we provide those resources to him? How quickly can we help him reach the peak of his ability? So it's balancing today and tomorrow. Um, and then I think also, so it'd be balancing, okay, the information that's available and there's abundance of it um, and balancing that with also your intuition. Um, and it's, it's, it's trusting your intuition with your evaluation of the numbers of the information available. And I think, um, you know, we're constantly asking those questions internally of, um, you know, what's the appropriate balance of those things. But I think um, hopefully that would serve as um, important pieces of conversation for other coaches as well. And, and I think that's evaluating the player, but then, you know, evaluating the person, I think, um, you know, maybe where, where, where some coaches don't pay enough attention to it's, it's investing in building a relationship with the, with the, the, the player as a person. Um, and, and it's above and beyond the expectation that you might have for his contribution on the field. But, um, you know, I, I think, like diving deep into that and especially with the realization, like, is this someone that we're going to want to spend four years with? Um, I think incredibly important and something I've realized, Ethan, just in recent years. And I don't think I realized when I first started or even the first few years that I was, was doing recruiting is um, like, there's a sense of responsibility with, with me as a recruiter to not only get it right for the program, but it's to get it right for the kid um, and get it right for the family. So like there's magnitude behind the decisions that I make that we make collectively as a staff. Um, and I think when you, when you put that in perspective um, you know, it just shifts how you go about your work and, and how much value you put in bringing in the right people. Cause um, if, if, if my job is a safeguard you know, who joined the 36 to 38 players that join our program. And then it also, if my responsibility is to do what's in the right interest of the player and their family, 
So not only is it going to be four-year chapter of this kid's life, it's going to be one of the biggest financial commitments that he ever makes in his life. Um, then, then I think that that impacts and influences how I, how I go about um, my work. And I think that's something where I didn't have that perspective when I first got into recruiting, um, but it's something that I I picked up on, and um, you know I, I think it it shapes how we recruit a player here at Indiana Wesleyan. Yeah, that's outstanding. Kind of a gate the the dual role of the gatekeeper, right? No doubt, no doubt. So, yeah, man, that's phenomenal. Um, I wish players and families would think about the decision with that kind of weight when they were navigating this process, right? Like, this is a huge decision, not only for baseball, not only for the next four years, but, you know, kind of sets the course for the rest of your life, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, th I think that your answer really speaks to that, which is which is great. Um but from a player's perspective, what do you think players in the recruiting process aren't paying enough attention to? It's a great question. Um, I think it's the ability to appropriately balance and value the different components of the decision. I'd say the different components being athletics, academics, your social experience, and, and, and the people that you'll spend four years of your life with. Um, and then the affordability. So athletics, academics, social experience, and affordability. Um, and it's it's not making a one-sided decision based on any one of those four categories. Um, and I, I think the player and the parents or the guardians, the family, needs to define what is most important to them and work toward gathering the information necessary to make the, the decision that best aligns with those priorities. Um, and, and I think that's something I'd be hopeful that, that you know, specific to recruits, um, that hopefully they'd give more attention to, is how do I appropriately balance athletics, academics, social experience, and affordability, and make the best decision um, within those uh, regards of what's most important to you. Yeah, really good. Really important. Um, so I had in my notes here that I wanted to kind of segue to talking about verbal commitments and some decommitment stuff, For sure. uh, kind of like hot button issues. Let's just touch on that briefly. Um, is the verbal commitment overblown? Like is, is the, is the hype, is it appropriately hyped? Like, do you think there's value in making a verbal commitment before it can become binding? Sure. Um, well, I, I'd preface it by saying this, Ethan, I think above and beyond what I think is best or what I think is right. Uh, I think you have to balance that with what is reality and what is currently happening within the constraints that uh, have been designated by the NCAA, the NAI and NJCAA. Um, and the reality is that recruiting is happening earlier and earlier. And I don't think that's going to change unless there's um, you know, significant rule changes um, on behalf of 
you know, the affiliations of conferences, whatever it may be. Um, I think the reason why it's happening so early and shows no signs of stopping from my perspective, in my opinion, is, you know, coaches are protecting what's in the best interest of their program. And, um, you know, they think by working early, working ahead, you know, they're staying ahead or keeping up with uh, the competition, you know, at their level. So um, I think with specific to verbal commitments, um, you know, I'm not saying it's it's right. I'm not saying I necessarily support it, but uh, it, it is the reality um, within college baseball. We'll move, we'll, we'll move on to decommitments, right? This, so this is the more taboo topic to discuss, right? It's like you, people are, you know, they'll call out a program. So-and-so decommitted six guys on August, whatever, right before school started with nowhere to go, but they won't, they won't say the coach's name. They won't say the program. They just kind of whisper around this taboo topic. I'm not going to ask you to dive right in, but you know, players do get dropped in the 11th hour. It's something that happens. Uh, decommitments happen pretty frequently, especially with early recruiting and coaching changes. And, you know, there's just a lot that can happen. So how can we better help recruits and families understand and prepare for this possibility of being decommitted at some point, um, you know, between the time they verbal and they get to campus? No doubt. Um, I think it's important that they they have an understanding of the reality that could exist um, for sure. Um, and it does happen. You know, I'm not sure it happens as much as some make it seem. Um, and I'd also say decommitments aren't always on behalf or initiated by the coach. Sometimes it's a player decommitting from the program. Sure. Um and I think it ties into just a bigger issue that, uh, you know, the recruiting process has become incredibly transactional. And it's not just coach to player. It's not just player to coach. I mean, it's it's really two-sided. And I think even above and beyond decommitting, um, and certainly, um, you, you know, it is an issue at some places. And I don't want to um, degrade or devalue that, right? But I think even a bigger issue is a player getting cut from college rosters after they arrived at the program, right? What could be fall freshman year. I think that ties into, well, it's not just decommitting before you get to college. There's decommitment that happens once a kid gets to college, right? So mm -hmm. um, I think it's important to understand every situation is different. Um, and my best advice with um, communicating that is a reality that could exist is don't commit to a coaching staff you know, don't commit to a program unless you have full trust in them. Um, it's to ask the hard questions before committing and not committing until they have the sense of clarity. You know, I don't know if there's a way to completely avoid uh, the potential of that reality uh, within the current landscape, but I think there's there's definitely information that you can gather before making an informed decision that would hopefully um, not put you in a position to decommit from the program. Sure. I like the way you put that too, you know, if the players are there for a semester and they have to transfer and start over and change levels or change schools, big deal too. It makes me think of our sure. of college baseball insights. Who's done a, a nice job of kind of documenting where players are moving. Um, all right. We'll get off the hot, we'll get off the hot button topic <laughs> and we're going to throw some 
uh, rapid fire question. So you're in the, you're in the hot seat now. I'm gonna I'm gonna grab some notes for this so I don't mess this up. Let's do um, it. So I'm gonna read you a sentence, and I want you to fill in the blank. Okay. Awesome. No pressure. Um, when I'm scouting a game, blank gets my attention on a player faster than anything else. Fantastic first question. I'd say the um, if I arrive early and, and I try to, um, I, I'm watching the intentionality in, in which the player is preparing for his game, um, and specifically in warmups. You know, it extends from catch play. Maybe it's a high school game and there's I.O. Um, you know, even if that's a guy getting working in the cage, you know, and, and one of the things that gets me most excited is if you have a, I think that kind of reflects maturity, right? And it also reflects like a passion for the game. Um, so that's the first thing I'm looking for and intentionality with how they prepare. Other things I'm looking for, um, their engagement with their teammates. Um, how do they engage with them? With who do they engage with? How many teammates engage with them? I think that's going to be reflective of like, do, do teammates actually like them? Like, are they coming up? Or are they are they talking with them? Um, I think we're looking at response to failure. Um, so maybe, you know, they guy hits a home run. Okay, what, what does he do on the next pitch and the next at bat, right? Um, or how does he react to the home run being hit? Or coach pulls him from the game after a short outing. You know, how, do, how, how does he handle that? How does he process that? Um, and then I just say, you know, another thing that I'd, I'd be paying a look, uh, looking at is 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 um, what is a response to when teammates succeed, right? Like, are they going to be a guy that's at the front of the dugout? Um, are they going to be a guy that's celebrating their teammate success? Um, you know, what does that look like? So, I think uh, you know, above and beyond, evaluate the player's actions on the field. You know, those would just be a handful of things that that we're evaluating. So, I'm always like the the guy. A lot of people think this is eyewash, but the guy who just absolutely flies out to his position. Sure. You're going to look at what their name is, right? You're going to look at your roster and say, who is that? Who, who's that guy who's sprinting like his pants are on fire out to center field or shortstop or whatever, right? And even another another one that gets me is, is the guys that are communicating extremely well. And I'm talking like a catcher um, or I'm talking a shortstop. Um, you know, I'm even talking to center field. like. Like those guys. Um, and I think that, you know, even if I'm there to watch a different player, you know, if there's a shortstop that's got a presence in the middle of the field, um, you know, that that have some feel for different situations going on, man, that would get me excited to, to figure out who that player is and, and get the best possible valuation on him. Nice. I think your answers are too thorough to go quickly. So that, I, I'm turning <laughs> I'm my hat backwards. I'm turning my hat backwards. Answers. All right. There uh, we go. All right. Question two. When a recruit does blank, I know it's time to move on or stop recruiting them. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think sometimes I almost wish it was as as black and white of if this, then that, right? But I yeah. think there's there's context in every situation. There's context with every player. So, um, you know, I don't know if there's there's one thing, but I, I would say if if we're following behaviors um, if in conversation, we're identifying signs of selfishness, um, maybe that player only looking in the interest of himself, then that could definitely be a turnoff. All right. Nice. Question three. When I'm recruiting two players with a similar skill set, blank is the difference maker. I would say 
the makeup of a player without a doubt um, is a separator and um, making sure the person that we bring in um, is a fit for our program um, and doing everything we can and not just get the evaluation of the player right, but also the evaluation of the person. Gotcha. The number one mistake I see parents make in the recruiting process is blank. I would say um, being too involved or not being involved enough. <laughs> um, both extremes. Got to find a middle extremes. ground. I think uh, like your son's recruiting process, it needs to be his decision, uh, but he needs your support. Um, and it's going to be one of the biggest decisions he ever makes. And I don't think uh, him making that decision on his own at 16, 17, 18 years old, um, I'm not sure if that's a, the, the, the best uh, thing for, for him to do. Old strategy, but maybe not the best. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, next one. The most important thing a recruit can do when communicating with the college coach at a program of interest is blank. Um, make it personal, uh, take initiative, be resilient, and be really good and diligent about following up. Concise. Gets back to your your comment on being proactive earlier. No so doubt. Over communicate if you if you're in doubt. Um, all right. The intangible attribute that I look for most in a player is blank. Cool. This is a good one. Um, I'm going to pardon me in advance if it's long winded, but I, I think like what intangibles are, it's what can't be seen, uh, potentially what couldn't be calculated. Um, but they're characteristics that make him who he, who he is that impacts his development and his performance um, and, and who he is off the field. And um, I'm not saying ours is more right or less right than anybody else's. I think the things that we value in a player that we recruit, um, it's aptitude, the desire and ability to learn and apply. Uh, it's attitude. We want positive kids with healthy perspectives, um, competitiveness above and beyond their development as a player, uh, but but a relenting desire to be the best they can be in every area of their lives. Um, confidence, it's it's belief in, in them and what they're capable of achieving. Um, discipline, doing what they're supposed to do, uh, when they're supposed to do it with consistency. And then uh, I think the last piece we look for, integrity, knowing what's right, doing what's right for the right reasons, um, with the right intentions. And I think if we can find kids with aptitude, attitude, competitiveness, confidence, discipline, and integrity, uh, we're going to get the right person fit uh, for Indiana Wesleyan University. I think if coaches are listening to this at other programs, they should probably follow the same thing because that sounds like a pretty good, pretty good makeup, pretty good ball player right there. Um, the most difficult part of the transition to college baseball is blank and recruits can best prepare to make that transition by doing blank, double blank, double blank. Let's do this. Um, I think the, the, the most, the hardest part of the transition, um, academically, you know, you get that prioritized academics probably in a way you never have, um, and I think in order to be successful academically, you need to value your time um, and be protective of it. You know, I, I recommend to guys that even when we commit them, it's, it's checking in on them and, you know, see, like, like what are their habits? 
from an academic success standpoint? Like where, where can they improve before they even get here? Um, and then I think it's getting comfortable asking for help when they need help. So I think that's what I'd say, the academic transition. I think athletically, and especially now, Ethan, we talked about it a little while ago, but realizing the challenge of uh, things being more competitive than they ever have from a baseball standpoint. Um, I think transition-wise, um, you know, I think probably more than ever, the player needs to have a healthy perspective on competition, that it's one of, of we're competing together um, versus me competing against you. Um, and we're working together to reach the peak of our ability, you know, me and you versus me versus you. Um, and I think more than anything, in order to like be successful in the transition, you got to be about the commit to the success of the team, probably more than you ever have. Um, and then just the last piece I'd say on this, as far as the transition is socially, um, like realizing people and moments are what you're going to remember most about your experience. Um, you know, be present, you know, go in with two feet. Um, and then also just be wise in who you befriend and, you know, the people you surround yourself with. And I think that can have a huge impact on, um, you know, who you become over the course of you know, 18 to 22 years old, which would be for the most pivotal years in your development and growth as an individual. Love it. You're off the hot seat, kind of. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent job. Um, okay. So the competitive piece, I heard it come up a couple of times. I'm going to tie, there's a couple of things I wanted to ask you about you know, like the philosophy of just recruiting winners, like a player who may be short on tools, but just For wins. Sure. Um, and I want to kind of tie that in with, like you mentioned that for your program, the competitive piece is one of those six attributes that you're looking for. So how important is the, is the competitive nature of a recruit? Um, and do you think that's something that can be taught once they get to campus with you? Or is that something that they just need, they got to have that competitive piece, something we don't, we're not going to take time to develop something we can't develop. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, um, you know, this is a key part of, of what we're looking for in a player. And we're looking for guys who love the game, looking for guys that love to compete. And we're looking for guys with the desire to win. Um, and I think there is a real thing to the you know, proverbial recruiting winners um, or guys who do love to compete. I, I think that's a real thing. Um, and I think it's it's extremely important, and I think more so it's cultivated than than being taught completely from scratch, especially once you get to college. Um, you know, I think our culture um, breeds competitiveness just with the guys that we have in our program, and I think it's something we recruit um, and we're intentionally about creating. Um, you know, so you know if a kid's not competitive, um, you know, it'd be really hard for him to to. Uh, you know, if he, if he did come here um, and we weren't able to identify that, it'd be really hard for him to fit in. Um, so it is, is recruiting guys who love to compete, recruiting guys who love to win. Um, is that valuable to us in our program? 100%. Yeah, it's it's something I, I come to all the time, right? Because I'll have players that say, hey, I want to play Division One baseball. <laughs> but then they're not super competitive. Um in everything that they do or even the way that they approach their preparation for a game. And it's like, you know, you may think you want to play division one baseball, power five baseball. Um, what they don't realize is, you know, the best D2, D3, NAIA 
JUCO, you name it, you know, it's more, you know, the level, the level designation doesn't matter as much as it's like everyone wants to recruit competitive guys that want to be the best at what they're doing. So, you know, I don't, I just don't think you can drive home that piece enough. If, if players are out there listening, it's like, Hey, if coach Mack is saying that's one of the six attributes, like you better be competitive, you know, it better be genuine, genuinely interested in, in being one of the best. Um, all right. I told you we we're going to be respectful and mindful of your time. We're already pushing that boundary, but I do want to give you some time at the end here to talk about yourself, what you're doing. Um, you know, most, most coaches, they don't make the themselves available or put nearly the amount of time and, and effort in trying to help all recruits like you do, right? Not just IWU recruits, but, you know, for, for years now, we've been kind of following what you do and baseball community is lucky to have you. Um, what helped shape your passion for helping players and families better understand the recruiting process? I appreciate you asking this. Um, and I think a lot of where it stemmed from Ethan was um, I believe in equal access to information. Um, and, you know, I believe there is, a lot about the recruiting process that maybe um, not a lot of people have spoken about, especially people within um, like being a current college coach. Um, and I think like education increases confidence and empowers decision-making. Um, and, and I believe I, I have information, I've gathered experience that I can share, um, you know, help players and help families better navigate the recruiting process. Um, and, and I think I do have a unique perspective uh, and like we said before, like I, I live what I'm writing about or I speak about every single day. And I think especially as like, you know, college recruiting continues to evolve, um, having a front seat view and kind of what's what's happening is so vital. Um, and, and I don't know everything and, and I don't want it to come across that way, but I want to share what I know. Um, and I think in a piece of that, I want to continue to learn um, more. And as I learn more, um, share that as well. Awesome. Um, you know, I already said it, but the baseball community is lucky to have you as a resource and, and for you to provide all that insight that you do. Um, other than people saying nice things about your work, um, have you had any experiences or relationships or moments that kind of validate all the work that you do and, and all the time that you put into helping recruits navigate the, the process and like maybe like that aha moment where you're like, yes, this is why I'm up at, you know, 11:15 PM, uh, doing a podcast with keep playing baseball to better inform recruits and families. Sure. Sure. Ethan. Well, um, you know, I, I think there's, there's certainly been moments and there's been conversations that have been extremely uh, rewarding. Um, and I think one of the coolest things is connecting with coaches, um, maybe that I've never met before. Right. So, you know, even just this winter, I was at a few showcases, met some high school coaches. You met some prep baseball report guys that you know, I, I never met them. I, I didn't know that they had any recollection or idea of who I am. And then you know, they said, wait, you're on Twitter, right? Like you post the recruiting stuff. And then they, they mentioned they've shared it with, with players and with families and other coaches. And that's incredibly humbling. And I think it just, it, it speaks to, you know, there's there's a desire, there's a need for this information, and there's people that are willing to share it, and, and that 
that means the world to me. And I think, you know, above and beyond that, one of the most um, positive, kind of more constant um, forms of encouragement is when players or parents or coaches, you know, DM me and just say thanks or even ask a follow-up question of the, the, the information posted. Um, it, it's been really cool. I think the engagement, you know, with coaches, with players, with parents, that's been my favorite part of this entire um, t- entire experience. Awesome. Yeah. So we first connected a couple years back. Um, we were so impressed with your website. We're like, we need to put an article out promoting this. Um, <laughs> that website's turned into an online course. Um, and I just want to give you an opportunity to kind of discuss the course and your work and share the the link to your site and whatever else you want to put out there. Awesome. Well, thank you uh, for allowing me to plug it. <laughs> um, but Plug it. Plug it away. What uh, what the course is called, it's the Foundations of College Baseball Recruiting. Um, and in, um, more than anything, it's it's a course that's a collection of the information that I've compiled uh, throughout my time, um, first working in, in travel baseball on the travel circuit. And then once I obviously for the last um, six years or so been in college baseball, but, um, you know, it's, it's a collection of information and uh, I've worked hard to filter and provide only the most important, relevant, actionable, you know, information that I can, um, you know, so, I mean, things that we cover, it's um, insight into how we as coaches evaluate recruits. Um, it's, it's help for the player to define and find their best fit. Um, there's information about the recruiting timeline, video, social media, email, direct messages, social media. Um, there's also modules about camps and showcases and events, selecting the ones that make most sense for each individual player. Um, there's campus visit prep, you know, how to set them up, how to make the most of them. Um, and then probably I'd I'd say the most valuable module in the course, Ethan, is application finances and decision-making. Um, and it's understanding how scholarships work, um, everything that goes into an offer, um, there's advice kind of step-by-step for negotiation, what to expect, how to ask for more um, from an offer. Um, and I think the course itself, just kind of give give listeners an idea. It's video-based, it's self-paced. Um, it's just shy of three hours in duration. So I wanted to make it sure it was something that, you know, if you had very limited knowledge of the process, you could complete in a morning, in an afternoon, or an evening in its entirety. Um, Holiday weekend. I- yeah, there you go. Weekend. So hopefully they're plugging in tomorrow. Amen. And I think, uh, you know, one of the coolest things above beyond the course content is everybody enrolls. Um, there's ongoing support in the form of, of questions and answers. And uh, what we do is, is there's a Q&A submission form um, that we log every question and answer that's asked in the publicly shared document that can be accessed by anybody. So not only can, can enrollees ask questions, get answers from current college coaches, um, but they can read of all the past questions that have been asked. And that, that's proved to just getting feedback from the people that have gone through the course. I think that's, um, you know, w- one of the pieces that, that they've really appreciated and got value from. So, um, you know, I wrap it up by saying this is that um, I want the information to be as affordable and accessible to as many players and families as possible. Um, you know, it was a lot of work putting it together, um, but it's something I'm extremely proud of. And um, it's something that has had an impact on on the players and families and the coaches that have taken the course. And um, again, I'm I, thank you for allowing me to talk about it. It's something I'm passionate about. And uh, um, again, it's called the Foundations of College Baseball Recruiting. 
And Ethan, I'm sure you'll link it in the show notes or whatever it may be. I'll link it, but go ahead and tell us what the URL is anyways. Collegebaseballrecruiting.net. Um, so hopefully it's it's easy enough to remember. Uh, collegebaseballrecruiting.net. I'm going to take the course. So you've sold at least one. <laughs> you sold me. This podcast sold me. Oh, man. Um, all right. We've reached the final question, which is not much of a question, but we call it our mic drop. We just hand the microphone over to you. Um, if you have any, you know, message you want to finish on or most important piece of advice, whatever you want to talk about, um, it's all you. And then we'll shut it down and let you go to sleep or get back to scouting reports. <laughs> I appreciate you, man. I don't know if this is uh, worthy of a mic drop uh, quote or piece of advice, but I'll do my best. I think um, the final piece of advice I'd give a player or family is, um, you know, to search to find your best fit independent of level division or classification. There's incredible experiences that exist at, you know, division one power five level, but then also extending all the way to division three junior college. Um, and I think define and prioritize what is most important to you. Um, understand your best fit is likely to look different than anybody else's. Um, you know, but I think search tirelessly for what makes the most sense for you athletically, academically, socially, and financially. Um, and I think that'd be the best piece of advice that I could give a player, give a family that's navigating the recruiting process is um, search to find your best fit, independent level division or classification. There it is. Boom. Mic drop. Uh, we've been talking <laughs> with Coach Ian McDonald, Indiana Wesleyan University associate head coach, uh, Twitter thread guru, check out his course and, uh, coach Mac, thanks for coming on. Really fun to talk, uh, talk shop with you. Ethan, it was a pleasure. And, um, honestly, I say this with absolute sincerity. Keep playing baseball is an incredible resource. Um, you know, I, I found it early on, even just as a recruiter, I, I, I gained, um, valuable perspective of, um, you know, what information was available, you know, to two players, two families. Um, and I just playing a piece in, in, in moving the mission forward of what you guys are doing. Um, it, it's been incredible. So um, keep up the great work. I think, you know, that the education of players and families, it's a collective effort. It can't just be done by one of us. I think it's, it's us working together, pulling together um, to ultimately give these kids, give these families the information that they need uh, to make the best and most informed decision for them. Thanks for making it to the end of this episode of the KPB podcast. If you find value in our podcast, please help us make it better. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Leave us a five-star rating, write a review. All of that helps us get this information into the hands of those who need it most. We're always beyond excited to get questions and provide more information, you can reach us by email at keepplayingbaseball at gmail.com. Our Twitter DMs are open. That's at keepplayingbb. Same is true for our Instagram account. That's at keepplayingbaseball. And Facebook, keepplayingbaseball. We're always excited to help provide you with the information that you need to make educated decisions in the recruiting process and move towards your goal of playing college baseball. Don't hesitate to reach out if you need anything, and we'll be back with another episode soon. Until then, take care.